You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. SB Nation family of podcasts. Please like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View Radio Network. All right, as we get closer and closer to the NFL Scouting Combine and the 2024 NFL Draft, we're continuing to try to uh, to get to know prospects in the upcoming draft class. And today we're going to talk about... Uh, Prospects from the Washington Huskies, and here to help me do that is I.O. Stevens Bailey of the SB Nation UW Dog Pound that covers oh, yeah. uh, that covers Washington. Thank you very very much for uh, for hopping oh, on today. You're uh, you're welcome, and I just I I'm happy to be here. So let's do this. All right, so uh, pretty cool for uh, for Washington this year. 13 combine invites. Um, I think that's the most in the, not only in the Pac-12, but in school history. No, you're correct? correct. And it's not only, you know, of course you said pretty cool, but for us, it's like, it's just been an outstanding year, past two years, and it just it feels like a fairy tale now, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Definitely. Cool. Um, yeah, been quite the, uh, quite the ride for you guys. Um, you know, maybe didn't uh, didn't end quite the way you wanted it to, but this is a, a good bit of recognition for uh, for. Washington I mean, football. you can't really complain at fourteen and one, finishing second in the AP poll. So you know, at least in my lifetime, that's the best team and that's the best record and the best placement. So, well, well, well you can complain, but you know, but that, but that's sure. but that's a good attitude. You, you know, you you can complain if you want for to, sure. but. You know, but I mean, I mean, I, I mean, Giants, Giants, um, Giants fans have four Super Bowl titles to to look back at, and and they still spend a lot of time complaining. So. <laughs> I have my my own thoughts about you guys, and you guys are a lot of fun, but definitely a passionate group of people. Hey, you know, we uh, Giants fans are uh, are are passionate uh, if. If nothing else, that is it. That's a good word to uh, to describe <laughs> for, sure. for to describe Giants fans. Hey, let's let's talk about uh, about the, this Huskies draft class, and of course we have to start. Uh, we start with quarterback, of course, because that seems to be where everything starts in the in the football universe. Michael Penix Jr. Uh, 
sort of, you know, he, he's a guy that that gets gets a little bit of a mixed reaction, you know, in the in the NFL community. You know, some people look at him and and think he's a he's a first round pick. Some people look at him and think he's a he's a guy who should go later. Most people put him in that in what what you would call the the sort of second tier of quarterbacks with Caleb May Drake or Caleb Williams Drake May, Jaden Daniels being tier one, you know, Penix, Bo Nix, and uh, and and JJ McCarthy of of Michigan, you know, being tier two. Um, what's you? Where do you put Penix? You know yourself. I mean, that's I, I know. You know, maybe that's a little bit of a loaded question, you know, because, you know, because of your because of because you're 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 a, a Washington, a Washington guy. But but where do you, you know, I'm this? I'm a I'm a full blooded Seattleite, uh, but I have to be realistic a while. Personally, I want to say he's probably the guy I want on my team. I have to look at it from the perspective of the NFL and the scouts and what they're looking for. Right. Um I personally, I didn't see too much of Jaden Daniel play, so I'm not going to comment on his play. But being a uh, of the Pac-12 and an individual who expected not only to be competing with Oregon for the Pac-12 title, but also USC, um, a lot of my eyes and my co-writers' eyes were on USC all year. And obviously, we were in LA. I believe it was the beginning of November, um, and just just the only the the, the literal reactions, my writers and I, because we have our own game thread and everything in our group chats, uh, we were just like, holy, holy balls. Like this, this Caleb Williams, he's an outstanding individual. And obviously, you know, he, he isn't without um, controversy. He isn't without his own, um, own set of eyes and media and criticisms. But when, when we watch that, we're like, Ignore all of that because this guy is evading sacks. This guy's putting the ball where it needs to. This guy is mobile. He he's everything that is great about Penix. I believe he is, and I mean, just every time I watch him, I'm a, I'm just outstanding. So or astounded, right? So I think when it comes to quarterbacks, I'll probably put him at probably my third quarterback. Um, I did watch a bit more Drake May than Daniels this past season and then the season before um, because that's when the transfer quarterbacks, in my opinion, really started to kind of explode in popularity. Drake May was in the Heisman conversation preseason for a while. Uh, personally, I didn't see too much that I, I believe, besides maybe Michael Penix's injury history, that I believe will put May over Penix. Um, the only thing that I will consider is the fact that the NFL for a few years now has been trending more towards mobile quarterbacks. And while Penix's arm might be more strong and more talented and his, his field intelligence just seems better, his, his awareness of reads and you know stepping up in the pocket when, they, when he needs to, Drake May is just a guy who can use his legs at just more of a variety. So while I'll put him at my third quarterback, I can I can easily see that just the market you know is 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 trending towards May for that reason. And you know, there's always speculation about quarterbacks being you know some people will say overdrafted. What would be your 
your expectation, your guess on <laughs> on how long Michael Penix waits to hear his name called. I mean, I I see I see some people say, oh, he's a third round talent, which you know that he's not lasting until the third round. But what does he get out of the first I think round? Before what recently happened, I think Michael Penix realistically high second round pick. He is an outstanding individual. I just think that in terms of what the league is looking for and in terms of what, you know, just teams want, right? He might just be forced down to a second round uh, position. That was before uh, Ryan Grubbs signing as the offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks. And in my opinion, that kind of that kind of changes the game a little bit because the Seahawks do pick 16, right? So we can look at it, does Michael Penix get picked at 16 to stay in Seattle, stay with his offensive coordinator that, that was his quarterback's coach, his offensive coordinator through Indiana, um, Washington, right? Um, does he stay through there? Does Seattle trade down to a lower first-round uh, slot to try to get Penix later? Or does Seattle maybe get a, a Washington skill uh, player, maybe like, um, not a Dunze, but maybe something like a McMillan or bigger pulp kind of receiver? And then does do they look mm-hmm. at Michael Penix as their second option, right? Um, there's a lot of just adding the fact that Ryan Grubb loves Michael Penix Jr. And from what I see from Penix, he loves Ryan Grubb as well. Just adding that chemistry and that flavor just, and then the fact that this, the city loves him. And then the fact that just keeping him mm-hmm. in Seattle is great for business, selling tickets, right? Merchandise. Um, I'm not convinced he's a first rounder, but it really just just the permutations of how it could work out, in my opinion, it it just it just grows like infinitely more. And at that point, I just have to. I just I don't have a straight answer on that. Yeah. Right. So, if for example, the Giants have the sixth pick, and then in the second round they pick uh, their second round their first second round pick is 39. They have two mm-hmm. picks in the second round, 39 and 47. So your guess, I'm assuming, would be if the Giants want Michael Penix, they would probably have to do something before 39 so to open get him. I think Penix is a is a is a strong 39 kind of kind of candidate. Kind of, you know, if you're looking at a 39th rounder or rounder, sorry, a, a, a guy who slots in at number 39. I, my mind goes to Penix, right? You got three quarterbacks ahead of him, and then you got you as a team you have to draft all sorts of other positions, right? But when it comes to the Giants, you kind of have to play the game a little bit, and it, it's like this in the NBA draft and the NFL draft. You have to kind of anticipate, you know, does Seattle really want this guy? And if he wants this guy, are they willing to draft him earlier? Are they going to trade down later on in the first round? Because Seattle is thinking the same thing. I want this guy. Is New York going to trade up? Is he going to get him at 39? Because if, if I get him at 39, I could trade down for a 37 or a 38. That, that's the kind of thing. So it, it all depends on kind of the anticipation and the feel of it. But I do believe that when it comes, when it comes down to it, Michael Penix, as of right now, is a very strong 39th pick. And... And just the variables, you know, you just have to think about that. Mm-hmm. 
I'm curious before we get off Penix and talk about some of the other some of the other players because there's a lot of guys to talk about. I I read you know everybody talks about Michael Penix's mm-hmm. accuracy and arm talent and things like that and, and and you see it okay you see it um you know on a lot of the deep balls and, and a lot of the things but when I watch Penix and I, I want your reaction to this. I mean, other than, you know, the, the injury history is obviously there. But it bothers me a little bit when I watch Michael Penix that I see, I guess what what somebody referred to me as, what somebody called when I talked to him about it, were layup throws, easy throws. When I, I see him miss for a guy, especially with, with the kind of accuracy that, that, that he displays, I see him miss some throws that you might consider to be layups, um, you know, short throws, easy throws to, to open guys. Um, just, just your reaction to that. Do you see that? Is that, you know, am I, am I off base there at all? This is something that as a West coast fan, especially a Pacific Northwest fan, I have to, I have to say, yeah, you know what? There's that, but then there are other elements, literal element is not only do I believe that you know a lot of these mistakes that have been made you know are mistakes that might circulate social media or things that are harped on too heavily and maybe if you know if Washington it wasn't in a position to play games at nine ten o'clock at night you know maybe maybe the rest of the world could be different that's that's his own thing that's that's something where it's like it's just a west coast kind of um West Coast kind of angst that we have sometimes. My my first reaction though is is that you, you really I think you have to take into account the the sort of elements that Michael Penix battled uh, this past season. And obviously, as a Husky fan, as a longtime Husky fan, as a Seattleite, I'm I'm going to make that ex- excuse for Penix every single time, right? So I'm I'm. You know, I'm just going to I'm I'm going to set the stage with that. You know, obviously, I do watch him. I'm also going to favor him a little bit. But from my perspective, if you're playing in in Seattle rain at night against Arizona State, which is obviously slow offensively, uh, we were told that he had influenza that's circulating around the team as well. Who knows how much of that is true, right? You had you had to kind of say some things to kind of brand the team and keep the team going because at the time we're still looking for Heisman we're still looking for a playoff spot so you have to kind of make excuses at the time as a team so that that was information that was put out but then you go from Arizona State and then you get you get wind against Utah you get a monsoon against Oregon State you get a monsoon and wind against Oregon State um and then you just get just just your natural wet I don't I don't believe we've played a game in Seattle where it wasn't raining for at least a little bit. And for me, I'm willing to say, you know what? Yeah, sure, Jaden Daniels isn't making that same kind of mistake or he isn't doing that as often, but I'm not watching Jaden Daniels. And obviously, I haven't seen too many of his games, but when I see highlights or when I watch you know, certain things about the game later, I'm not seeing elements. I'm not seeing weather. I'm not seeing the fact that the ball's slipping out of your hands, right? Uh, or the wind is carrying the ball, which I've seen several times this year for Penix. I'm seeing, you know, 
and obviously anybody listening to this right now, as a, <laughs> I call myself a blue elitist, East Coaster, West Coaster, I've been, I've been through it all. But one thing I'm, you know, I might not have a clear understanding on is Southern and the Southern weather, Gulf of Mexico weather. So please, I'm more than happy to be educated on that. I just believe that Penix has played far more rainier games and far more windier games than most other quarterbacks have. And I mean, I would, I would actually just go right back to watching. I remember the Kyle game. That was, I believe that was our first conference game this year. It started out raining. I think it tapered off in the second half, but he was still making bullets. He was still doing this and that. So yeah, you have to take into consideration what he played with, but then he, at the same time, he's also faces elements and has done, in my in my opinion, extremely well. Right. So, you know, just just to take it with a grain of salt and try to consider some of those um, some of those different elements there. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge. That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, let's move on and talk about some of the other players, some of the other Huskies heading to uh, heading to the draft class. And there's a lot of chatter with the Giants, and, and you look at mock drafts, and if the Giants don't go quarterback at six, there's, there's a, a big school of thought, sort of a consensus school of thought that they would go wide receiver. And when I do, I do a mock draft, tracker every Friday and that mock draft tracker tends to have Malik neighbors of LSU as the the consensus choice if Giants are going to go wide receiver most people think it's going to be neighbors there is a small but growing contingent of people who think that choice should be Romo Dunze I'm just curious I'm just curious if you think that's a spot for Odunze, and if you think, and I don't know how much of Neighbors you've watched, I mean, if, if you think or you want to make the case for Odunze instead of or, or over Malik Neighbors. So I'll say first and foremost, <laughs> I love Roman Odunze as, as a guy, and I think in terms of this past year, just the type of swag he carried himself with, he was a, he was a personality, and I love that. Um, now, 
getting to getting to the skill side of it, right? I've seen Marvin Harrison Jr. numerous times. I've seen Malik Neighbors. These are excellent receivers. And we just got done talking about um, Michael Penish Jr. And I will say, um, two Apple Cups ago, there was there. I've seen him throw on his back foot a diagonally forty yards across the field and pinpoint the guy on the sideline. But what you have to also consider with Michael Penix Jr. is the generational talent that Roma Dunze was, the ability to just throw it, and that guy is open. Like, sure, you're putting it on a mark, but it helps so much that Roma Dunze was was an incredible receiver for the Huskies that he he was just always open. Is what it just what it looked like, right? Um, when it comes to Roma Dunze. Um, preseason, I'll say this because, you know, as a sports journalist and um, as a guy and, and as a fan of the sports yourself, there, there, there are numerous occasions where you might get inside information on, on players. Uh, you, might, you might be able to, like, for example, before, um, before Steve Belichick came down to the Huskies, uh, we were told three or four days in advance that, you know, Chuck Pagano, he's the favorite. He's about to do this. Um, I guess it didn't work out. But it's that type of inside information where I'm like, oh, man, Chuck Pagano. But then it's the kind of thing where it's like you can't tell the rest of the world yet kind of thing. Um, preseason, it was reported to us. Um, we had guys, um, one of my favorite one, um, individuals, co-writers, Aaron, we we had guys attending these preseason camps or these preseason trainings and workouts, um, talking to players, talking to inside staff. It, we, it was reported to us that unofficially, um, I believe the number is either at a 4-3. Um, I believe it was still lower than 4-3-5. It was back in August. So I will definitely at some point just try to recover what, what that thread or what that message was specifically. But it was reported to us that right around about the 4-3 mark, maybe even lower, maybe 4-2-9, uh, Romo Dunze was running. And we were like, oh, man, this guy is fast. And, and he showed that on the field. And obviously with the combine next week, right, we're going to get to see that. And my money is on Romo Dunze. I don't know if he breaks John Ross's record, which another former Washington Husky receiver, but the type of speed that he delivers – I think is enough to separate him from a Malik Neighbors kind of guy. And it might just come down to who's taller, who's better at blocking kind of thing. Um, but I think when it comes to New York Giants, I think if I were them, I would look at Roma Dunze as a very strong and powerful option. Uh, speed, just the uh, skill he provides, the personality he has, and he's a hardworking individual. So... Um, and I can and just know from knowing what I've watched with the New York Giants, he can easily fit in that system, in my opinion as well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't expect it either. But this is something where it's like, if he's not top seven, top eight, and or not the first receiver, I'm actually going to be a little surprised. And West Coaster, right? Obviously, to an extent, I'm mm-hmm. going to say, you know what? Of course. They think Malik Neighbors is going to be the sixth rounder, or sixth. I keep saying that the the, the guy picks sixth, right? Because he plays in or he played in the SEC as opposed to Roma Dunze, who wore wore purple and gold up north north of Eugene, Oregon, where nobody cares about over here, right? So 
I could say that, but at the same time, Roman Dunze has the I know he has the speed and the numbers to back it up, and I believe that he's going to show them combine next week. But he's in a, he's just outstanding. Awesome. Let's talk about uh, a couple of of uh, Washington offensive Ooh. linemen. Giants, Giants, obviously uh, a mess sure. on the offensive line last season. Um, and and I look at I look at Washington and and you know a lot of people thought they they had perhaps the best offensive line in the country. Um, two guys, you know, in particular, I want you to speak to, and I may butcher the pronunciation of his first name. I mean, it's Troy Fautanu, who's looked at as a possible as a as a likely first round pick. And a little bit later on, his offensive tackle Roger Rosengarten. Um, I just want you to speak to to those two players um, and, and what they might bring, you know, to uh, to an NFL team. Well, I'm going to start with the, the fact that you're not the the Joe Moore winning offensive line for for no reason. And obviously, we had freshmen, sophomores, juniors. These guys were an outstanding group of people. Um, Penix is great at evading sacks, but at the same time, the pass protection is outstanding. The holes that they're opening up is outstanding. And it starts with the older, more experienced veterans, as in Rosengarten and Fautani. Um I'm going to speak a little bit more about uh, Fadotanu, though, because um, whereas in you know offensive line isn't a position that you think about on a regular basis, you know you don't see them as individuals. Sometimes you see them as a unit on the field, and they, they, that can suck, that can stink for them. Um, but at the same time, the, the name that stood out to me all season was Fadotanu, and um, the names can get a little confusing, but I believe that he was the one who dealt with a little bit of injuries and they're they weren't serious injuries but he was a guy who um had some minor shakeups miss a game here two games there right um in our stretch from between i guess i would say probably the second half of the oregon game carried it through arizona state sanford through usc right we weren't even really fully healthy until uh, i would probably say oregon um, in the Pac-12 championship, but in that stretch, we, you know, we're down secondary, we're down linebackers, but we were down offensive linemen pretty handedly. And every time that we were down, the moment Fautani stepped on the field, it was like he just—it seemed like he single-handedly kind of elevated um, the team. And he's also the, a, a type of player who I believe I saw switching from guard to tackle. Um, you know, we, we, we were in a situation where we had to have our center playing tackle, our guard switching over to left tackle kind of thing. And trying to pull that off well, um, our best running games and our best pass protection came when he was on the field. And, you know, it is what it is. The New York Giants need some help on that offensive line. And Fautanu is is the guy. I would say not, not a number six, but again, if you're looking at 39 – I would say probably start there, right? And to me, that's more important than looking at Penix at 39 or other players. Fautanu, as of right now, is probably, in my opinion, your best bet at, at elevating the offensive line. And I hope he gets to show that at the combine. I hope he gets to show that going forward in his career. 
Um, but yeah, your your best yeah your best guess with him. I've seen some people say that they think his future's inside at guard. Um, just your best guess. Uh, does he play? Does he play right tackle in the NFL, or does he? Or do, does he move? It depends inside? on his size. I don't know his size necessarily, and I can probably just uh, control T. I'm just going to type it in uh, Tanu. Um, in my opinion, it starts with guard. Um, and I'm looking at him right now. He doesn't seem like a tackle kind of kind of player at all. And he, he does look a little more leaner and faster than most tackles are anyways. So I would start with guard. And he's mobile, and I've seen the guy move, mm-hmm. and, and he's great. And just I would start there, right? Mm-hmm. And what about, you know, what about, you know, if you want to look at, at a tackle a little bit later on in the draft, probably what Rosengarten, about Rosengarten? Again, I've talked about Father Tanu just because that's the name that, that has been brought up the most, that we talk about the most in a position where, you know, you don't, you don't really talk about the name. So when you hear a name, you kind of remember it, right? Uh, Rosengarten, I haven't, I, I mm-hmm. haven't specifically myself talked about as much. Um, he's a bit more of a tackle kind of player. So if you're looking at building a line, you know, again, where we talk about the Joe Moore winning offensive line, and and I mean, as soon as DeBoer left the Huskies, we're losing offensive linemen left, right to Ole Miss and other teams because these are highly sought after individuals. Um, so while I can't necessarily speak to his individual talent too much, I just haven't seen too much of that. I would just say, you know what, he was a part of an outstanding offensive line, and he's got the size and the gift, and you know, depending on what the scouts see, I would I would pay a lot of attention towards what he's doing this this off season. So, you know, I would do it, but there could be some other factors mm-hmm. that that are that play into it. And you know, there are there are plenty of other Huskies who are mm-hmm. considered draft worthy. Obviously, with thirteen guys headed to the combine. I want to ask you um, about yes. Dylan Johnson. The simple reason that the, that the Giants could be in a situation here where they're looking to to build a new running back room. They could be in a situation where Saquon Barkley is somewhere else. Um, you know, Johnson right now, I think he's looked at as maybe an early day three kind of candidate. At least that's. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking at here when you look at the NFL mock draft database. Um, just your thoughts on on a guy like Dylan Johnson and you know and what he can bring to uh, to an NFL. I I love the dude, and I keep I keep saying that. I just realized all these guys are very talented and quality men and players. Uh, Dylan Johnson, first and foremost, what I think about the first thing that comes to my mind is toughness. I've seen this guy go out one game with what looks like a devastating knee injury. It looks a little swollen. It might be a little wobbly down there. I'm like, what in the world just happened down there? And then the next game, he's running for 200 yards or 150 yards, right? This is a guy who could put pain away and really just turn the Jets on and carry an offense for a game if that offense needs to be carried for that game. Um, the second thing that comes to mind, and this doesn't get talked about as much, um, Ryan Grubb ran a sort of um, offense at, Wa- at Washington where, you know, we're, we're, it's very 
pass heavy, right? Um, we're, we're, we're spreading guys out, but we're also motioning guys back and forth, right? So that these are characteristics of Ryan Grubb's offenses. But one thing that doesn't get talked about is the pass blocking, I believe, that Dylan Johnson excels at. If you go back and watch the games, I've seen enough of Michael Penix stepping up in the pocket to avoid a, a sack. But at the same time, as he's stepping up, I'd also want to point out that it's Dylan Johnson right there to pick up that block. It's Dylan Johnson doing this and that. So it, to me, it's kind of like a Gronkowski situation, right? Where it's like Gronkowski was outstanding at catching, just forcing the ball away if, if it's in the air, running over guys. He was a truck. He was a machine. But he was also an outstanding pass and run blocker. And I think New York, they should look at that because his ability to pick up that blitzer, his ability to pick up the extra guy has helped Michael Penix tremendously. And I believe can help Jones or other quarterbacks down uh, at New York going forward. So I would leave it there, but at the same time, running backs, fortunately, are a position where they aren't as needed or sought after. So if it's like a third or fourth round where he starts getting looked at, I, w- I wouldn't say anything besides, man, it just sucks for running backs these days, right? So that's just where I'm at with, with the Johnson, but just how exciting. All right, just give me, you know, we haven't talked about every single, you know, Husky who's mm-hmm. going to get drafted, but just look at yes. look at the rest of the list. Um, just look at the rest of the list and give me a, a couple of your favorite guys, you know, that, that we haven't talked about who you think are going to be really solid NFL players. Mm. I think you have to look at Braylon Trice. Um and I have some thoughts there, but out of I'm looking at the list now, and out of everyone on that list, he's probably the guy I would look at besides maybe Jalen mm-hmm. Polk because Polk, you know, among all the receivers, he was also big too, and size can help out a lot in in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to Braylon Trice, Braylon Trice had an outstanding uh, season in DeBoer's first year, uh, 2022, I believe it was. Um, and he was expected to win awards and accolades. What I saw from Braylon Trice, and we've speculated, uh, fans have their ideas, but he kind of took a little small step back. And while picking it up at the end of the season, you know, it was a lot of like not being able to finish sacks, not be able to drive it home, hit the angles that you need to hit. And from what I saw from Trice, I have to say, and it stinks to say this, but he may have just slowed down a little bit. I don't know if he put on weight. I don't know if, you know, maybe something went wrong with the working out or whatever happened there. But Braylon Trice, I think, later on in the season was able to to say, you know what, I've taken a step back. I'm not hitting sacks. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do as an edge rusher. And I think not only was he able to pick that up and really get faster, complete those those drives hit those angles but i think he has a history 2022 2021 that says you know what this guy can be a demon right and maybe just takes being among nfl guys you know getting the nfl training to get bigger faster stronger that's what my coach used to say all the time uh getting the facilities and the schemes to make it work maybe that's just what it is but I would start there because Braylon Trice was an easy first rounder at the beginning of the season. 
now he might be an early second rounder, still might be a late first rounder, but he's a guy that I see easily going. Uh, I want to say in the first day or two, could could wait until the third round, but mm-hmm. he, I, I loved what I saw from him, and I think he, he had the work ethic to kind of pick it up and make it better for himself. It's interesting. That's another position where the Giants mm-hmm. could use help. The Giants obviously have Kayvon Thibodeau, a couple of years ago, they drafted Aziz Ojolari in the second round. Ojolari's had uh, kind of a disappointing couple of years with injuries. So so that's another position where I think especially on a day two, you know, yeah. the Giants might look at somebody and, like that. And so. I would also just look at the fact that we have Marcus Peters, we have Taylor Rapp, who won the Super Bowl with the Rams. Um, there was a Chiefs, uh, Trent McDuffie was a defender. But Washington has put out very good defenders that have – stayed in the NFL year after year the past, I would say, probably six or seven years. It started with Peterson. I'm not going to talk about the next guy. He's a, he, as a Washington fan, we're going to ignore that part of our recent history. But I would just say in general, if, you, if, you're, if you're looking at it, Washington has a history of putting these guys out. So I would, I would have belief for that reason as well. Absolutely. Hey, I appreciate the time. Uh, if you want to just let folks know, uh, you know, where they can find your work, where they can find you on, on social media, if they're interested in more, uh, Washington Huskies content, you know, absolutely. Uh, just go ahead. Um, I write for UW dog pound, UW D-A-W-G. Um, I did a football recaps during the football season. I did a couple analysis pieces, but I was really contributing to analysis with my co-writers. Alex is outstanding. Mark is a wonderful human being. Aaron. Um, all these guys, um, also do a lot of, you know, softball and Washington Husky softball is crazy. If you guys are into softball, uh, basketball, I'll be picking that up pretty soon here. Um, at the same time, if you guys are interested, it's at I Steph, uh, S T E P H one, two, three, four, uh, is that's my Instagram. Um, as a novelist, I do, I market, uh, promote a lot of what's coming for my novels on there. And I've also put husky highlights i put news i put things that you know as a as a college sports fan if you're interested go ahead and check it out um but yeah uw dog pound is where i will start for sure and um i'm happy to have you guys and this this was a blast uh absolutely all right hey look like I said, appreciate the time. Thank you very, very much for the insight. If uh, if any of these guys happen to uh, happen to land with the Giants here in a few weeks, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll circle back and, 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 and talk just, a little bit just more. Just real quick, I've got to say, I grew up a New England Patriot fan, and I'm in a position now where it's been so depressing that wherever these Huskies end up at, I'm just going to start rooting for Huskies. So you might you might see me as a Giants fan and reader <laughs> pretty soon here, and I. It is what it is. There, there, there you go. There you go. We, we, we love to convert Patriots fans to Giants fans. You know, I, I, in fact, I, I need to have you talk oh, to sweet. my son now. Believe it or not, one of my, one of my sons, when he was, when the, I got to tell a quick story that maybe Giants fans have heard me tell before. When the Giants were in the Super Bowl in 2007, all right, my son at that point was yeah. 10 or 11 years old and not really a football fan, but I'm, I'm there 
in front of the television writing about the game and covering the game and watching the game. And, and, and he sits down to watch the Super Bowl with me. And he decided that if he was going to watch the Super Bowl with me, he was going to annoy me. <laughs> All right. He decided he was going to annoy me. So he decided to oh, sit man. there and root for the Patriots. <laughs> well, to this day, he still roots for the Patriots. <laughs> so, so I have to live with that. At least, you know, the Giants have two Super Bowl victories over the Patriots. But somehow, you know, he, he's a Patriots fan only because, you know, he did that. He did that son thing where he just decided he had to annoy me, and well, so I will say him. the early, the earliest <laughs> Patriots game I ever remember is the other Super Bowl, and I was so excited. I was maybe nine. If that was oh, what if that was two thousand eleven, I was probably nine. I was so excited, and then I just went the next day. Saw my teacher, Mr. Bruiser. She she retired a long time ago, and it was just I was in tears. I was devastated because I I really thought that. We were going to bring that home. And I remember the Welker drop, and I remember this and that. And, yeah, that was the first ever game. So that, that's what got me into football. So it's coming full circle here with you guys. There you go. All right. Hey, appreciate the time, as I said. And uh, Giants fans, thank you, as always, for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.